Hello guys, welcome back. We are Julia and Mira and this is It's So Interesting, a podcast about adventures and traveling. Last week we went to Warsaw for an unbelievably awesome live show. We love traveling for shows. It has been our thing for quite a while, when we were choosing our destination by the live shows to attend in the evening. It has always given us this feeling of a mission. You are in the city for a reason. After sightseeing and having fun as a tourist, you have a purpose in the city, a concert to attend in the evening. We haven't done it in a while. It's even hard to admit, to be honest. But hopefully this year we will have more such journeys when we travel specifically for shows. It's not our fault, though. The thing is that the pandemic made a difference with so many shows being postponed. So we had a two-year break because of that. And then the last year we had so much to figure out in our lives. And with the war in Ukraine, concerts definitely hadn't been our priority. Yes, uh, yeah. But this time we realized how therapeutic the live shows are for our mental health and uh, so we bought those tickets for Black Angels show and then found out that the supporting band is New Candies which is also a good band who plays the good music. In Warsaw we wanted to try this famous the most expensive croissant in Poland in Czastkozdziurko but it wasn't there. The girl who works in the cafe said it was sold out so we bought another sweet treat as a consolation and went to another place. So also while we were in Warsaw so we visited these famous Ukrainian places in Poland's capital, Lviv Croissants and Piana Vishnya. Nowadays, Ukrainian businesses are very popular in Poland, especially among Ukrainians who flee Ukraine and are staying in Poland as refugees. It is a certain nostalgia and at the same time a possibility to have something usual around you. So Lviv Croissants is a bakery, kind of a new Ukrainian type of street food. It comes from Lviv but has bakeries all over Ukraine and now two in Poland one in Warsaw and one in Wroclaw. They make unbelievably delicious croissants and fill them with the filling of your choice, sweet or savory. We like them more like sandwiches with prosciutto, vegetables, cheese and salad, but you can have them with bananas, chocolate and ice cream, for example. In any case, once in Warsaw, grab a bite there. Another place that we mentioned before is a drinker with one special drink, cherry schnapps, delivered specially from Ukraine. Piana Vishnya means drunk cherry, and it was opened in Warsaw long before the war in Ukraine due to popularity of this delicious drink. You can try this cherry schnapps in this bar in the park next to the Palace of Science and Culture, or just buy a bottle and taste it at home or anywhere else. Although both of those places are not traditional Polish things to try in Warsaw, we recommend checking them out as it is something new, unique and truly great. Yeah, traveling is exciting. It's so interesting to try new dishes everywhere you go. Apart from my favorite Italian dessert tiramisu, I'm also a huge fan of this delicious French dessert. Do you know which one? I sure do. Paris-Brest. Yeah, 100%. The combination of flavors makes it pure delight. The best one I had was in Metz when we visited our friend in France last year. We had this amazing time in a cafe on a square between the cathedral and the covered market. Oof, if I remember the name of this place, I will definitely share it in the description or in telegram post. 
but that one puri breast was the best one I have ever tried. Apart from being delicious, this bicycle wheel-shaped dessert has a cool history. To make a long story short, Puri breast was named after the route of a bicycle race that runs from the French capital Paris to Brest, a naval town in Brittany held since 1891. The main purpose of the race was to encourage bicycle use in Brest, and the newspaper editor Pierre Giffard launched a race to Paris and back. Several years later, the race still hadn't been a great success, so Pierre Giffard asked a local pastry chef, Louis Durand, to create a dessert to help to promote this race and for it to become more attractive to visitors. Paris Brest is a wheel-shaped pastry made from cream puff dough or shoe pastry cream praline with hazelnut mousse and is finished with a sprinkle of almond petals. It became popular among riders on the Paris Brest Paris Cycle Race, partly because of their energizing high-calorie value, and among guests adding exclusiveness to this race. Its intriguing name, unique taste and lovely shape made it very popular all over the country. Paris Brest is now found in patisseries all over France and in many places all over the world. Totally worth trying, I'm a huge fan and although I don't like sweet stuff that much, Paris Brest deserves a top spot on my list of dishes to try. By the way, this sounds like a great idea to make a list of things to try in different places. Some specific dishes to the country or region and some general meals that are worth tasting at least once. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, with a cup of coffee, puri breast is truly a royal experience. Why I say royal? Because coffee uh, used to be an exclusive drink in Europe uh, that only royals could afford. Do you know that so many travelers complain about coffee in different places? Usually travelers don't like coffee in Germany, Mexico, Singapore and Thailand. So in those countries they try to look for places with a specific coffee attitude. For example, travelers choose Italian, Vietnamese, Australian or Brazilian coffee places worldwide while traveling for specific coffee-making techniques and tastes. Hmm, this sounds plausible. I also struggle with coffee in Germany. Nowadays, there are plenty of good cafes with decent coffee in Berlin, for example, but 10 years ago, it was a challenge to get a tasty cup of coffee in the city and we knew like only a few truly great cafes. I think it depends on so many things, places, coffee machines, baristas, coffee itself, and most importantly, your taste in coffee. <laughs> yeah, and the way the coffee is made, cooked or prepared, I mean, in the Middle East, for example, coffee is cooked differently. The taste is very significant, and if you like it, they can add cardamom to your coffee to make it spicy. Like, not hot spicy, but more flavored. By the way, the Middle East is where coffee came to Europe from. It is determined that coffee comes from the Arabian Peninsula, somewhere around Yemen, and spread to the territories known today as Iraq, Syria, Egypt, and Turkey. Coffee arrived in Italy in the second half of the 16th century through commercial Mediterranean trade routes, only being served to the wealthy. Central and Eastern Europeans learned of coffee from the Ottomans. By the mid-17th century, it had reached India and the East Indies. By the late 17th century, coffee houses would establish themselves in Western Europe, especially in England and Germany. 
In many cultures, it was a sign of wealth and power if you could afford to serve coffee to your guests. The first European coffee house, apart from those in the Ottoman Empire and in Malta, was opened in Venice in 1645. Peter van den Brücke, a Dutch merchant, obtained some of the closely guarded coffee bushes from Yemen in 1616. He took them back to Amsterdam and found a home for them in the botanical gardens, where they began to thrive. This minor event received little publicity, but was to have a major impact on the history of coffee. The beans adjusted well to conditions in the greenhouses at the Amsterdam Botanical Garden and produced numerous healthy coffee arabica bushes. In 1658, the Dutch first used them to begin coffee cultivation in Ceylon, now Sri Lanka, and later in southern India. Within a few years, the Dutch colonies Java in Asia and Suriname in South America had become the main suppliers of coffee to Europe. Not many people know that the largest coffee producers nowadays, such as Brazil, Vietnam, Colombia, Ethiopia and Indonesia, were forced to grow coffee by their European colonizers to fulfill the needs of the market and that coffee plant was not natural to those regions. Coffee really traveled a lot. Today you can go on tour to the coffee plantation in any of those countries and learn the history of its origin and witness the process of coffee making. It's fascinating and believe me, so interesting. Do you know what else? is interesting, since we already go with revelations in this episode. The Venice Carnival? Yeah. In our last episode, we promised to tell more about it, as there are some interesting facts about it. The Venice Carnival is the most famous and oldest festival of masks and impersonations in the world. Carnival traces its origins to ancient customs. The ancient Roman pagan festivals of Saturnalia, which were held in honor of the Roman god Saturn, after the harvest, during which all conventions were cancelled and everyone had fun. This is also the times where carnival masks came from. During Saturnalia, slaves were allowed to sit at the same table with their masters. And in order to shamefully remove social inequality for the sake of general fun, all participants of the celebration hid their faces behind those masks. Although there are several theories about the emergence of the carnival, the main idea has always been to say goodbye to winter. And with the growing influence of the church, the idea was to party before the great feast followed by Easter. And the name carnival from Italian literally means farewell meat, carne valle. In the 17th century, the Baroque Carnival preserved the prestigious image of Venice in the world. It was very famous during the 18th century, promoting theater, art, culture and literature. However, the festival was outlawed entirely in 1797, and the use of masks became strictly forbidden. As a result, carnivals were forgotten for a century and a half in Venice. Venetians did not remember them so often, when in the middle of the last century, with the development of the Italian tourism business, the idea to revive the popularly beloved holiday was welcomed really well by the government. After a long absence, the carnival returned in 1979. The Italian government decided to bring back the history and culture of Venice and sought to use the traditional carnival as the centerpiece of its efforts. The main idea was to attract visitors by promoting Venetian masks as a significant attribute of the city. Since 
Since then, approximately 3 million visitors have been coming to Venice every year for the carnival. One of the most important events in the contest for the most beautiful mask, which is judged by a panel of international costume and fashion designers. The Venice Carnival is held every year in February. During the days of the carnival, Venice becomes a continuous theater stage, on which everyone is both an actor and an audience. Just on the streets, actors give performances in the style of comedy dell'arte, and acrobats, jugglers and other circus performers show their skills. All the time firecrackers are fired everywhere and real clouds of confetti fall on the participants. The atmosphere is very festive and pleasant. In the evening the sky above the city lights up with the fireworks and people move indoors to fancy palaces for costume balls. The atmosphere is truly charming and although the prices for accommodation skyrocket during this period, it is worth seeing Venice at least once during the carnival. And you don't have to stay there for a night. Some years ago we were in Verona and just took a train for a day to Venice during the carnival to see what is happening there. And it was fantastic. It's interesting that I don't like visiting places with a crowd. But I found such events super charming. And if Venice is not your best choice, you can still come to Nice until the 26th of February for the Carnival of Nice, for the marvelous flower parade and the parade of lights. And if this is too short notice for you, we recommend planning the trip to Sevilla for this April fair. This is exactly where the party is happening. You can try local specialties, sherry, manzanilla or rebujito, along with the tapas, have fun in the amusement park and dress up in a typical flamenco dress. Totally amazing. Maybe we should also think about visiting Sevilla for this fair. It sounds like so much fun. And if you need someone to plan your perfect trip, look no further. Just drop us a line and we will do it for you. It looks like we have to schedule and plan our own journeys this year as we want to visit so many places and we haven't figured out when to go where. Because it's already the middle of February and we haven't gone further than Warsaw. Well, yeah. But we will travel soon. Maybe we will have to take a spontaneous trip. Maybe we will book some far, far destination journey. We'll see. In the meantime, there are several projects we are currently working on and we will introduce them here or on Instagram very soon. And to finish this episode with a useful tip, here's the thing. If you need to contact customer support to solve your problem, whether it is a chat or a call, contact them once again and many times more until your problem is solved. This is a great tip we learned through the years, that every person has their own approach to work and problem solving. And when one agent is not able to fix your issue, there will be another one who will. Last time I had to call the airline four times to fix the luggage issue for our clients and three customer support agents told me it was impossible to fix this issue online. However, the fourth person did it for me easily. I believe that there are no situations without a solution. You just need to try one more time or hire a travel planner <laughs> to solve all the problems for you. Believe me, it takes all the hustle away and our clients come back to us for the service we provide not to deal with the unforeseen problems and unexpected situations. And to stay in touch and informed, check out the links attached below and follow us on Instagram. Check out our website for articles and more travel tips. Thank you for listening and there's always more to come.